Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. I am Bob Hyatt here with uh, my venerable co-host, Doug Moister. Hey, Doug, how you doing? Bob, I'm doing great, man. And thank you for noticing that I'm venerable. I appreciate it. <laughs> the venerable Doug. <laughs> yes, that should be your title from now on, the venerable Doug. It just rolls off hey, the Hey, Doug, I have a question for yeah. you. What's up with the youth of today? What is what's, what's going on? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Do you got like two minutes? I think I can nail it. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like, you've seen Back to the Future when like uh, Doc comes back in the second one and he's like, yeah, it's your, it's it's your, your kids, kids, Marty. Marty. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, I had to I had to look up some slang uh, just this morning, Ooh. you know, because I'm like, okay. I was following it for a lot of years. Like I could, and now it's gotten to be like another language. Yeah. Like I had to look up the word cap. What did, cause they, they, I was watching this video and everybody was saying cap, no cap, cap. I was like, what, what is going on? Oh, it means lie or no lie or like no cap. Yeah. You're not lying or cap. That's <laughs> not true. It's like, what? Just, Oh, come on guys. Yeah. Come on. Anyway, I, I, I'm just feeling old. I'm feeling like uh, I don't understand these youth of today, but I guess every generation feels that way, right? I would, I would say so. I feel like, well, and being in youth ministry for as, as many, for 10 years for me, it's a, yeah. a long time. Um, it's amazing how after a year of being out of it, you feel like you, you just, you lose so much of just the ability to understand what they're communicating, especially when it comes to like some of the social media stuff. Uh, Like I always, I still have to look up when people who are younger than me text me acronyms for words that I'm supposed (laughs) to understand. Yes. Yes. Oh man. I'll tell you, Doug, I did uh, youth ministry uh, through the nineties. And, uh, I thought it was hard then. I cannot imagine. Yeah. I cannot imagine what youth workers are facing today. Yeah. Uh, just the challenges, you know, I I really feel for those that are giving their lives, uh, to young people. I also, which is weird because I also feel like in the, in the church, we've often seen youth ministry as this kind of stepping stone thing. Right. And uh, I got to the point where I started thinking, you know what? I think we do it totally backwards. I don't think we should let anyone near the youth until they've had like 10 years of ministry experience. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's how, how tough it is yeah. and how, how, how important it is. But uh, as it is, you know, youth ministry is often a place where people start. Um, but I, I just have such good, such respect for those that are giving themselves, uh, to working with kids, to working with teens. Um, and like I said, I just can't imagine the challenges of today Yeah, and doing that. Well, and when you think about the challenge of it too, right? Like you are, you are a kid essentially coming out of college. Yeah. You yeah. have, you have a, a good amount of debt, most likely. Because, you know, we all know that when you go to a Christian school to study youth ministry, um, you are essentially good for working maybe at Home Depot cutting wood if you're lucky. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? And then you get a job at a church and there's all these interpersonal dynamics and you're being paid not much money and the the responsibility is like so high. I mean, it's yeah, it almost feels like we're setting up. 
we're setting up young people to fail when it comes to like you. I mean, I can't tell you how many how many churches in my area right now are looking for youth ministers. Like they're just yeah, they're gone. You know, they're, they're it's a dying breed or something. It's tough. Yeah, I I always felt like I look. I made a lot of mistakes when I was young, uh, just getting into ministry, working with in youth ministry, and I always felt like, man, you know. Every time I make a mistake, I should get a raise because that's one more thing that I now know. That's one more, <laughs> one more dumb thing that I will not do again. Yeah. Nobody ever saw it that way. No, but. no, it's you're, we're, yeah. I, I mean, my goodness, I feel like I, I usually on Monday mornings, I would show up to work and fill out an incident report. That was what most of my Mondays <laughs> looked like. One of my favorites oh. was when I had, I had, I think it was five, it was either four or five fire trucks show up at it at our church uh, because I put a fog machine on in the, in the church uh, from about one o'clock in the afternoon until about seven o'clock at night to play a game, which was a terrible, terrible idea. Like you literally could hold your hand in front of you like this, you know, six inches. You couldn't see your hand. It was. You opened the door and it was like there was a Snoop Dogg concert (laughs) going going on in there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Doug, we, uh, I know we have a great conversation about youth ministry today with our guests, but uh, I think we need to put a time on the schedule where we just tell youth ministry war stories. I think that would be a great Monday morning pastor podcast. I think that would be, and we could almost look at it as like, here's what not to do. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Here's a, here's, here's us talking about the dumb stuff. we did. (laughs) And the funny thing is, is it hasn't stopped with youth ministry. I still find myself doing dumb things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. On that note, we uh, had a great conversation. Uh, about transforming future generations. And uh, I think Brad was, is, is he a friend of yours? Is he someone that you've no, no, we, you've uh, known? How do we get in touch with Brad? Yeah, so I think the lovely people at, it was either IVP or Zondervan, I can't remember, send us uh, this great book, Transforming Future Generations. And I read through it and I thought we have to get... One of these people, three people wrote it. Uh, we have to get Brad on because he just sounds like he's awesome. And so we pulled him in and I'll tell you what, so many good things. And he's a lifer. He's been in youth ministry for a long time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the research that that he has done and that his team has done is just so helpful for the church. And honestly, senior pastors, I just want to encourage you. Um, if you have a youth pastor, just take him out to lunch the next couple of weeks. You have no idea what those little check-ins mean to your youth ministry folks. Um, and youth pastors, keep up the good work. We're glad that you do what you do. grateful to have our guest today, uh, Brad Griffin. Thank you so much for joining us on the Monday Morning Pastor. It's really fun to be here. Thanks, guys. So we get to talk about something that is near and dear to everyone's heart, and that's the youths. Or, sorry, the youths. Uh, and um, yeah, I was a youth pastor uh, for 10 years. Bob was a youth pastor. I think both of us mm-hmm. from, you know, I, I felt this. I, I've heard Bob talk about it before, too. Like, we felt like that was going to be our life. We were going to be lifers. Yeah. Um, and then we were seduced by the dark side. And <laughs> oh, we... I, I ran out of energy is what it was. I, 
<laughs> I couldn't keep Bob's up. only could... 27 guys. And he's like full gray. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> this is what happened. But yeah, yeah. Brad, tell us yeah. about your love for students, like where that comes from and just some of the work that you do. Absolutely. So I, I, I've been in youth ministry a while and, um, we'll, we'll just, we'll just say a while, but, (laughs) 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 um, I I started ministry in the late nineties, which we can mid to late nineties, which we can pick up on a little bit later, but, um, over the years have served in a lot of different capacities, including, including as a volunteer and as a a pastor, you know, who's serving in some other capacities and cares about youth ministry. I have a, um, uh, a real heart for continuing to think about how's the church love and care and, you know, serve young people, their families, the people who care about them. And that's what we focus our research on here at the Fuller Youth Institute. I'll also throw in, I'm a parent of three and they are now young adults and teenagers. So Mm. kind of been living through that in my own household in a different kind of way, um, you know, than, than that early youth pastor, Brad, who, um, uh, who maybe didn't have as much empathy for parents or senior pastors. So <laughs> I feel like I've got a different perspective now. Yeah. A few decades in. We were kind of chatting a little bit before we pressed record and just talking about uh, something Doug has noticed, which is a lot of churches struggling to find youth ministers. I was reflecting that um, here in Boise, Idaho, I had heard someone who's pretty well connected around town saying that a decade ago, there were a lot of dedicated youth ministers, youth pastors, but now there's it's down to like a handful. I'm wondering just for you, as you've looked at trends and things like what what's going on in youth ministry in America today and, and what how has it changed over the decades with churches? Is it? Yeah, that's my yeah, question. That's great. I, <laughs> I think it's really important for us to be talking about youth ministry. I think it's an open secret that youth ministry needs to change. This was true before the pandemic. And I think that season only accelerated and exposed what's been going on and including what's outdated about youth ministry, what's ineffective about youth ministry. Um, And I think it's showing up in a number of ways, you know, that I don't have statistics, but anecdotally, I hear a lot of what you're saying about it's hard to find a youth pastor. It's hard to find people to serve in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. I hear that story and I, too, am pretty curious about it. You know, what's going on? Why? Why don't people want to serve in youth ministry? And and I do think there's something related to why, you know, it's also hard to find a pastor right now. And we've seen those statistics Mm -hmm. about burnout, people considering leaving ministry, people who are leaving ministry loudly, you know, and how that impacts the rest of us who continue to serve in churches in various ways. Right. Um, But I think when it comes to young people in particular, obviously a lot has changed since the 90s, but the way we do youth ministry can still look a lot like 1999 in a lot of ministries. And I think that's a problem because that's sort of those approaches don't work as well today. We can't just plan big, fun programs and count on a bunch of students to show up. So, you know, I think the question is, well, what now? Well, what is different? And 
what do we do instead? Um, and at the Fuller Youth Institute, we've been kind of poking at that in a number of ways. But in particular, this question about, well, what do we do in youth ministry that makes a difference the rest of the week? You know, how do students, it's great if they want to come to youth group, and some really do, but how do they fare the other days? And what happens the rest of their lives? I think those of us in ministry and, you know, raising young people in our homes, that those are, those are the questions we really care about. Yeah, I feel for youth workers today because, um, you know, I, I was in youth group throughout the 80s, I'll tip my age here, um, and started youth ministry at the, at the very end of the 80s and into the, the 90s. And I know for me, I wanted to be at youth group because home was boring. Uh, youth group was where I would go and, and, and connect with people, mm -hmm. see a bunch of friends and, and do stuff that was fun. And then also hear about Jesus. It seems like if I were trying to start a youth group today, like what, why would they need, they don't need to come to youth group to connect with friends and they've got fun stuff at home. They're plugged in. They've got, you know, Xboxes and PS fives and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So as you look at the state of youth ministry today and you say it needs to change, uh, what what does it need mm -hmm. to change to like what is it that you envision youth ministry being about that might actually engage the hearts and imaginations of of as Doug would say <laughs> the youth yeah yeah I, I think that's a question that um well maybe not enough of us are asking you know <laughs> and mm -hmm. and and at the same yeah. time a lot of youth leaders we talk to, you know, they say things like, well, I'm I'm tired, you know, or nobody cares about what we're doing or none mm -hmm. of the kids come anymore. It it is true that attractional youth ministry just doesn't seem to work the way it used to for a lot of the reasons you say there are plenty of other yeah. entertainment yeah. options for kids. So we're certainly not entertaining them. Um, I do think that we we maybe don't tap in enough to the the uniqueness we have to offer um, that does meet the deep felt needs that young people have. And so, you know, so, for example, young people and all of us, you know, we're desperate for belonging and teenagers in particular and, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers, they're looking for where do I really fit? Who are my people? Where do I really belong? And and yes, some of them are finding those connections in digital spaces. And, you know, there are kids who they go home and they, you know, log in to their online gaming community and they can just game for hours. And, you know, that is, in a sense, a place of connection. Um, social media can provide place of connection. But, you know, the more teenagers we talk to, the more we hear, yeah, that's that's fine. But but most of them still want to just hang out with their friends and or they want to know how to do that or they think maybe they want to do that. They just they they don't hang out with friends as much as teenagers used to in the past. And so yeah. I, I do think there's this space where the church can offer a place for connection with each other in real life. You know, mm -hmm. I think youth ministry can look like deeper connections, deeper opportunity to have 
mm. real conversations about things that matter. And I think while fun and, and and honestly, sometimes kids will say, oh, yeah, it's it's fun or I want to I wish it were more fun, you know, or I would come if youth group was more fun. And I think fun has its place often when young people are talking about fun what they're talking about is connecting with other people they're not necessarily mm -hmm. talking about slime fest games <laughs> or the things that we think might you know have attracted kids in the past they're they're actually they say fun and what they mean is connection and how much, mm. how much of mm. that connection, and we're, we're going to jump, I mean, you, you and uh, Kara Powell and Jen Bradbury just put out a, a fantastic resource called Faith Beyond Youth Group. And so we'll, we'll get into some of the stuff that you guys have discovered in, in your research, but like, how, how much of that discipleship or, you know, that connection is geared towards peers and how much of that is also connection that kids want with, uh, with adults? It's both. Now, mm. they may not articulate the connection with adults part, mm. but it really matters. And mm. it really matters over time. So, I mean, our research at the Fuller Youth Institute across almost two decades now um, has continued to reinforce the importance of intergenerational relationships. And a lot of other research has looked at this as well, how important it is for kids, for teenagers to have connections across generations, um, you know, the significance of even just one or two meaningful adults outside the family, it can make an enormous difference for a young person, in particular kids who are more, you know, at risk of various kinds of, um, of struggles. And I think the church has such an opportunity to be a place for that kind of connection. And it might not be the first on kids' lists of what they're looking for, okay? Um, mm -hmm. However, you know, I mean, I would say both in research and, and anecdotally, um, they'll talk about how important that is and, and how important not only the youth leaders are and the adults who serve and volunteer and, you know, that consistency is really important, but teenagers will also talk about the importance of somebody else's parent. You know, mm. sometimes the safest adult mm. in a teenager's life is somebody else's parent. And I, I try to remind mm. adults in my own church that, you know, regularly, it's it's so important that we're looking out mm. for each other's kids, that we're just a safe place, that we know about each other's kids, because sometimes we can be yeah. that person that, you know, that a kid turns to or looks to. I'll say in a, anecdotally, too, just from my own church, we asked a few months back, um, we asked the teenagers, you know, what they appreciated and what they were longing for and looking for. And it was really interesting to hear how they themselves did articulate, you know, how important they, they didn't necessarily say intergenerational relationships, but but it was it was a theme. You know, they said, hey, we really hmm. we really like when adults show up at our games or our performances. You know, we like when hmm people come cheer us on from our church Yeah, that that is something that really matters to them. Um, and, and I think mm. that's true across a, across the board, you know, more or less for teenagers that they want adults to be present and that there's so much potential in the church for adults to be that. And that 
so much of that is it's non-programmatic. You know, it's outside of youth ministry proper. It's the way we surround and scaffold them as community. Yeah. And I would agree. I feel like one of the things that I appreciate about, um, about, you know, my church is that what we've seen is that we, we've, we've hired our first youth minister, uh, I guess almost, uh, coming up to year number two. And, but what's been really cool is even before, uh, our, our youth pastor came on, what we found has been so helpful is that our kids are really connected with other adults and with one another. And it just seems like that's the thing that can, that, that seems to be such an important glue, relational glue that, that keeps our kids connected within, within church. And, and it's interesting because I've, I've kind of looked at some other churches that have, that have had, you know, big budgets for youth ministry and things like that. And I just, I don't necessarily see the level of like, maturity maybe or even even spiritual growth than than ones where they're like being cared for connected with i mean my my son came home from college this past weekend um and uh he was telling me how i said you know what was your bet what was the best part about being at church he's like oh hanging out with the o'donnells now the o'donnells are in their mid 70s mm. and um yeah. they were missionaries in turkey for a, a long long time and he just said i'm so glad i got to talk with mike and dm mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my daughter's the same way. It's like, Hey, you know what, what was the best part? You know, tell me about someone in your life that's really formed you. It's like, she has a, she has these three or four women where she goes, they they invite her out on walks. Like Kylie will go walking with Diane and just to hear the interaction and the story and like Diane's discipling my kid walking the dog. But I think what's so cool is like, it just creates this, this unbelievable network of my kids have pictures of mm. people other than their mom and dad that love Jesus and yeah. are excited. So anyway, sorry to, to get all excited about this, but I think that the youth pastor in me just, I resonate with that deeply. I think, although you'll never sit, hear a kid talk about intergenerational connectedness, um, you will hear them talk about the O'Donnells and other families. But mm-hmm. so, you know, the book that you guys wrote, what is the story behind Faith Beyond Youth Group? Sure, sure. In some ways, it's the story we've been telling here. You know, something's not quite right in youth ministry, and some of us are feeling burnt out, worried. You know, it it feels like we're not so sure that youth ministry is working <laughs> the way that we've thought or hoped. And one of those disconnecting points is, does what happen? Does what happens in youth group make it out? You know, is it only for what happens in that in those spaces and in those times or is it for so much more than that you know what how does if youth ministry is going to matter it's got to matter the rest of the week and every day and the rest of their lives really and of course this is also tied to that story that we all know pretty well in ministry right now about the rise of the nuns you know those who choose no affiliation um those who are walking away from or have never been connected. And this, you know, the as Gen, as Gen Z grows up, we wonder, well, what's different here? And, and how is, you know, what do we do? And so this research kind of came in at a time when we hope we can have a more robust conversation about all of that, about, well, what does it look like to do youth ministry with this generation? That really matters. 
that really matters. And so we've been studying through a grant from the John Templeton Foundation what it looks like for youth ministry to be a context for character forming discipleship. Hmm. So the kind of discipleship that shapes who we are and who we are inside and the way we live that out in everyday life that actually shows that that Christianity is not just true, but also good in the world. And so that's where this project sort of came together to take a look at that. And so we studied youth ministry leaders from across the country. We did surveys and interviews and um, were able to make some site visits as well to some different churches and uh, ministries. And we pulled all that together for this project. That's I love the fact that you guys have done a pretty pretty vast look at things. And so what are some things that you're finding that are really encouraging right now? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, we were so encouraged by the leaders who are out there just faithfully doing youth ministry, you know, and the churches that are caring about and investing in their young people. So often in our site visits, it was it was not just about what's happening in the youth ministry, but also, you know, talking with pastors, talking with adults who were investing and caring about kids. And that was really encouraging um, and encouraging because so one of the one of the findings that emerged in our process of studying, you know, not only what's going on in ministries, but also broadly looking at the research that's out there about this generation and about what's going on between generations. One of those points is that trust is no longer a given. So trust levels drop by generation and today's young people trust others less and trust adults less and trust institutions less than ever. And, you know, we all know that Christianity can kind of have a bad rap in a lot of ways, and in particular around among young people. And, you know, one way we say that is that Gen Z tends to trust influencers more than institutions. You know, it's a it's a TikTok world of authority mm. and answers and where, you know, maybe we used to hold some sort of weight. Now you can you can hear from lots of voices and sort of choose what sounds right to you. So in the midst of that, what we're seeing is ministries that are investing in cultivating trust. And that's one of the findings from our research that was that's I think we all need to be paying more attention to is we've got to invest in relationships always because that's the heart of discipleship anyway. You know, I mean, that's the heart of we would all say relationships are the heart of ministry. But with this Younger generations in particular, we cannot assume that there's any baseline level of trust. And so what's encouraging is that we met all kinds of leaders who are cultivating trust. You know, they're leaning in. They are spending time with young people. They are um, serving with with longevity, which I think is really important, being a presence in a kid's life for a long time, and also with proximity, you know, showing up, getting close to young people um, in their lives. And that's how we build trust.
that that is encouraging because uh, uh, for me as a young youth worker my big question was what can I get them to eat at youth group this week? Like what game can I play where we can find something, make them eat prunes, uh, you know, Bob for baby roots and toilet bowls and stuff, just the craziest stuff. And I'm so glad to hear that youth ministry has moved beyond that. Cause yeah, I, I love that idea of cultivating trust. If, if there's a youth worker out there and uh they've they've got a couple of a couple of volunteers but they're not quite sure yet how to connect i mean how do you how do you break into that loop yeah. like i i can remember taking on a youth ministry job and just being terrified to go to the local high school or try to meet up with somebody just cuz it's like it's it, that's their territory. Yeah. 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 What, what encouragement can you give? What works for youth ministers who are trying to cultivate that kind of trust that you're talking mm -hmm. about? I mean, a baseline is show up when you say you're going to show up and, and just keep doing mm -hmm. that. Uh, a story comes mm -hmm. to mind of an adult we met at one of our um, site visits to, to ministries. This was in the Midwest and this volunteer named Slick, he, Slick is 71, and he said this one particular quote really uh, just sticks with me. He said, you know, I like to think if Jesus walked the earth today, he'd spend a lot of time at seventh grade tennis matches. <laughs> and, you know, Slick gets it. He gets that you just you show up. Even if they don't pay attention to you, I got to say, I've gone to a lot of soccer games and you know matches and performances where the kid maybe looked at me you know maybe didn't even talk to me but they knew I was there or I text them afterwards mm. and I say hey awesome job out there I saw you today you know and you were given your all or or whatever um and I think those little touch points over time really add up even when they don't pay attention to you. And Slick talked about um, getting ghosted. He actually used that term ghosted by, <laughs> by students. And he said, you know, when you get ghosted by the kids, you can never ghost them back. And, and his, his point is, hey, we've got to keep showing that we care. You know, we've got to keep trying and showing up. It's not about having all the answers. It, it is about showing up consistently and, um, you, you know, you mentioned, Doug, um, that story about, uh, was it the, the O'Donnell's? The, yeah, the, the O'Donnell's. Yeah. And what immediately came to me was a story of my own, one of my own kids um, who she's now in college, but, you know, Abby was one of that adults for her. And Abby would text her and say, hey, I'm going to be, um, you know, I'm going to be walking around this loop while my daughter's in water polo practice. And do you want to go walking? Mm -hmm. And it was that simple of like, this was part of Abby's life. This was a thing she was going to be doing. And she knew that it was a few blocks from her house. And so she asked my daughter, do you want to hang out and go for a walk? And that, mm -hmm. I mean, nine times out of 10, my daughter was a yes on those kind of invitations yep. because it, it, it mattered to have an adult who was offering, you know? And even when it was a no or it didn't work, like that adult who would offer, um, those are just, those are priceless. Those are priceless. Yeah. Mm. 
So I, I think that's, I forget your original question, but, but cultivating trust, you know, it's the little moments and it's consistently showing up and offering, even yeah. when we get a no, quite honestly, <laughs> we got to be thick skinned as adults and know that, you know, for some of those kids, they're going to, they're going to ignore us or shut us down or, you know, not answer that text or, or whatever maybe the first five, six, seven times before they say yes, or before it makes a difference. I, I would imagine that there's a good number of pastors who are listening, who are thinking, I wish we had the budget for a dedicated youth mm-hmm. worker. Yeah. Uh, but we just don't. And we do have a handful of teenagers what if what what wisdom or what encouragement could you offer uh, pastors in that position? What what can they be thinking about mm-hmm. and do? Yeah, and I'm really sympathetic to that. And my own congregation has, um, you know, we've only been able to afford a part time youth position mm-hmm. for the past you know year or so. And so I'm very sympathetic to what it looks like to to be a volunteer team. And, you know, so huge shout out to those those pastors who are leading youth ministry on their own, along with everything else. And to those volunteers who and pastors who are trying to support volunteer leaders. My biggest encouragement is to keep being the church, keep being the church that surrounds and attends to young people and that really listens. So, you know, cultivating trust is huge. Another point on, um, you know, that emerged out of this recent research was how important it is for us as adults to model growth. And I got to say, any church can do this. You know, you don't need a paid youth position to model what it looks like to follow Jesus in real life. Teenagers see that and they see our character gaps, you know, so much more often they see they see our inconsistencies, they see moral failures. Um, and being the kinds of adults who just walk out what it looks like imperfectly to follow Jesus, you know, kids are watching that. Teenagers are watching that and they see the difference. They see an adult who has to make hard decisions. They see adults who in their everyday actions and their stories and their prayers and, you know, all of that, they show authentically what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I think we can do that in any church, in any church. And we can tell those stories. So as pastors, you know, you, you storytell a lot, right? In your sermons and in your, um, in your interactions. And for us to make sure we're telling stories, not just of our successes, but also our failures, you know, so that we can model for young people that it's safe to share about failures. It's it's safe and it's okay to be people who imperfectly follow Jesus, who imperfectly live with each other, who have to show forgiveness in a community. Um, mm-hmm. I think being a place where it's safe for a teenager to show up and have doubts and questions and that adults have those doubts and questions, too that actually that is doing youth ministry Mm. Uh, in in so many Mm. ways, you know, the research would say character is caught before it's taught. And we've all heard that phrase before, but I think when we're really looking at the church, man, we can, we can be that, you know, we can be a church that is living out authentic faith 
imperfectly and partnering together, loving our neighbors, you know, all of that, like young people want to see that. And it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. I resonate with all of what you have said. And I really get the sense that it, it's almost like back in the day, like when Bob was a youth pastor a hundred years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, the, the big question was, what do we do to, to bring people in? Right. The attractional yeah. model was a really important thing. But then when, when you started to see the shiftings of things, it's almost like I appreciate the fact that you all are asking the different questions. Um, and I, it almost seems like in some ways the youth pastor is now the, 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 the head equipper slash spending a lot of time with the volunteers and helping their character form in order to help the students character form. Is that, is that kind of, am I reading between the lines, right? Like, am I picking that up or, um, and, and if that's the case, like how, how would you encourage youth pastors to really think about just forming their teams that are helping to be with, mm -hmm. with the kids that they, that the Lord's given them. That's good. Yeah. I, I think that's right on. I think that's right on. And so along with, I mean, what we've talked about already, you know, with that, we've really got to cultivate trust and assume that we're starting at a low trust level. You know, I think that's one way we form our teams. I think encouraging our, um, adults who are who are going to be volunteering in particular, hey, what you're modeling is just as important as what you're teaching. And as we think about teaching, so often a volunteer in youth ministry thinks that their main job is to teach. And usually what we mean by that is information transfer, right? So I'm going to teach Sunday school or Bible study or small group or whatever that is. And often that's about, okay, I need to get them to know the right information and believe the right things and be able to answer questions correctly. And we're so afraid, um, either implicitly or explicitly, you know, we're kind of afraid, like, will they, will they know enough? And will they know enough to really hold that faith beyond high school or beyond, you know, when they, when they get outside of this? Um, and I think we can, we can adjust those expectations a little bit as we work with our team and say, you know, actually, if you're building trust and if you're modeling growth, then as you think about teaching and teaching in a way that really transforms, it's not so much about, you know, what you think or what students think, but about really teaching them how to think and helping them wrestle with faith. Um, if we look at the model of Jesus and how he taught, he used a lot of questions. And so, you know, helping those adults think about a good question is often maybe even more valuable than a good answer. And a lot of us know this intuitively, you know, who have been in ministry a long time and, and, and whatever, but in particular for volunteers who are feeling anxious stepping in, that actually, you know, Jesus was 40 times more likely to ask a question than give an answer. And so as an adult, to um, to ask lots of questions in our teaching and um, to help young people discover answers, to facilitate discussion. Um, it, you know, those are really rich ways to engage young people and to come together to the text with questions and to not be afraid. You know, if reading the Bible with young people raises more questions than answers, to not be afraid of that. 
and to just say, yeah, I have a lot of questions, too, when I read the Bible. And let's keep looking together. Right. Let's keep at this. Let's come back to this later. I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll I'll look into it. You know, I'll ask the pastor between this week and next week and we'll come back again. That I think the more we can hold space with young people for their questions, the safer that space is going to be. And I think any volunteer mm. can learn to do that. So so I do think it's helping our volunteers yeah. have good, um, good skills at holding space to ask questions and to not feel afraid of the questions that young people ask. And that does take some skill. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I, I am just reminded of the, a moment I had as a youth pastor in the mid-90s, taking my kids to an event and having a, another youth pastor who was going to be on stage came out doing backflips. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, there is no way. I, that's it. I'm, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. I can't compete with that. And I love what you're saying because what I hear is that uh, youth ministry at its essence is loving kids, teaching other adults how to do that, and then doing it together as a community. And I think any church can do that. Uh, I think any small church, big church, whatever, you don't need a big budget to love kids and to help, help other adults and volunteers to yeah. do the same. Brad, thanks so much for just spending some time with us and, and giving us the fruit of your research. If people want to know more, can you can you tell us a little bit? Uh, give us a link. What where should they go? Where, where, what can they find? Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything about the new book is at faithbeyondyouthgroup.com. And awesome. you can download some free samples, a free chapter uh, and find out about um, everything that we're doing. Faith Beyond Youth Group. Love it. Love yeah. it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, guys. It was a fun conversation. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is produced by Joel Inbound at On a Limb Productions. Uh, he is ready and available for any of your podcast video or creatively telling your story needs. Also, if you're looking to grow in your leadership, Kairos Partnerships offers several free resources to help you do that on a weekly basis. We encourage you to follow us at Kairos Partnerships on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our weekly newsletter that J.R. Briggs writes weekly called Five Things in Five Minutes. You can find the link in the show notes to subscribe. We highly recommend it. And lastly, if this podcast has added value to your ministry, we ask that you would leave us a review on whatever platform you are downloading us on. And we ask that you would share it with other pastors. We're really hoping to continue to create a community of pastors that care for one another. We'll see you next week. Thank you.